Joe and Chrissy Angelo have been married 10 years and have three beautiful children. They have served under pastors Dave and Vanessa leadership for 15 years and have been on staff at Road to Life Church for seven years. Joe and Chrissy are the founders of The Married Life and are passionate about seeing marriages and families thrive. Please welcome to the stage, Joe and Chrissy Angelo. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Everybody's been making me cry all day. I don't know what it is. I'm not pregnant. I know that. <laughs> uh, after last mo- night, I don't. <laughs> I was trying. No, I'm saying. <laughs> no, listen. It was. I was trying. In your sleep. <laughs> in my sleep. Like, the messages were so good. I'd wake up, and I'd start rubbing her back and stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's 1 in the morning. I'd roll back over. I'd wake up again. It was 2 o'clock. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, just, man, Shannon's message just had me. You know, I'm like, just trying to apply right away what we learned, you know? So, <laughs> um, I just want to thank Pastor Dave and Pastor Vanessa. Can we give it up for them for their leadership? For what God's doing through them, for allowing us to, to be part of this. And, and really, if you guys knew us when we were younger, you'd be like, do so not give sorry. them the microphone. I apologize um, for all of it. <laughs> uh, Crystal Huff knows us probably uh, the longest, um, besides obviously Pastor Dave and Vanessa, um, and besides my brother. He probably knows me the longest. Um, but she, she, <laughs> she's like, someday she's like, it's hard for me to realize that I report to you. Um, because Crystal's older than me. I don't know even how old is just Crystal. A couple of years. She's okay. older than me. But like in student ministry, I used to drive her insane. Like me and Chase used to, like literally, we'd run around with paintball guns trying to shoot Crystal point blank. Like we were just terrifying to her. And, um, and the way that we actually used to be in student ministry, I, obviously we were terrifying to Pastor Dave Vanessa too, but, and so to actually see like we're on stage now and really even like our past of like when Mike, and he's gone now so I can talk about him, but when Mike like was bringing up, you know, like, oh, travel through your, your, you know, your memories and it's so fun. I'm like, bro, don't bring up my past with my wife when we were dating because it was horrible. Like I used to make the worst mistakes possible dating. And actually my nickname used to be Too Far Joe. Um, so between like working at, on staff at a church as an intern, I would do things that were just way too far, like bro, bring that down. And then things with Chrissy that I would do that were just absolutely stupid in our relationship. Well, let me give you an example. So we dated for you. <laughs> Okay, do we have like an hour? Are we good? Okay. Um, so we dated for about four years before we actually gave our hearts to the Lord, and it was really ugly. I can sum it up in about one week. It was about four-year cycle in one week. So Thursday or Friday would come along. What did you do? We went out, drank, did all that kind of stuff. We would fight. We would break up. We would hook up with somebody else. And Monday morning, we would miraculously be back together. It was a miracle. For four years. That's what our life was like. Nobody wanted to hang out with us. Even our friends, they were like, well, you know, they would like maneuver around. We were that couple. We were that couple. And so four years later, um, I remember a Sunday morning service. I had just been going to Road to Life. Mostly going over, but there. And and so I remember one morning, one Sunday morning, I had given my heart to the Lord. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was amazing. He said he saw me. He's like, you physically looked different. 
And so I started walking that thing out, and he separately had given his heart to the Lord. And we were like, okay, we weren't together. Like, what does this look like? What do we, we had to make this thing work separately before we could even, like, think about coming back together. And so one day, we're doing this thing. We're serving the church together. We're, you know. And I was living with my dad because I was in college and um, locally. And um, I was just driving to go to the gym one day. And unfortunately, his ex-girlfriend's house was on the way, but I drove past it all the time. It, like, wasn't a big deal. And um, one day, I'm just driving, 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 driving. And I look, and there's a four-door black 2004 Mustang. It's a two-door. What did I say? Four-door. Whatever. (laughs) Those don't exist. It, (laughs) It was in her driveway, and I was like, my blood pressure, I don't know what I, I don't even know if I worked out, I probably should have, I don't know, and so I called him, we met, and I was like, what are you doing, like, what are you doing, like, what is happening, and so we started to talk about this, and he said this thing to me, and I bet you've either said it, or you've heard it, or you've thought it, he looked at me, and he said, I just needed to prove to myself that I could handle it, idiot, right? <laughs> like, that is the stupidest thing. Like, I, now looking back, I'm like, yeah, okay, this guy is a moron. Um, because that's like giving an alcohol, you know, like if you're a recovering alcoholic, and it's like, you know, you just, man, I just got to go to the bar, and I just got to prove to myself I don't need a drink, you know? Like, nobody does that. No recovering heroin addict gets a needle and gets some drugs, and like, I'm just, I got to prove to myself. I'm going to lay it out, and it's going to be right here and look me in the face, you know? Or, or a guy's not going to go on a, on, a, on a pornographic website and be like, okay, I have it open, but my computer's closed, and I just got to prove to myself I don't need it. You know, like, that's what I was doing. But what that was is it was just pride. And pride says, I can handle it. And that is what so many of us, especially men, we struggle with. We struggle with pride because we think we can handle it. Because you might have even thought, like, your wife might try to get you to this marriage conference. You're like, man, we, our marriage has been fine the last 15 years, the last 10 years. Like, we don't need a marriage conference. Like, I can handle it, you know? Like, like I, hey, listen, I can talk to that girl at the gym. We're just friends. Like, I can handle it. I can talk to my, my ex on social media. It's not a thing. We're just acquaintances. I can handle it. I can scroll through Instagram, and I can look at the pictures, and I'm not going to go far and look at pornography. It's just a girl in a bikini. It's just a dude at the gym. Like, I can handle it. And there's a guy in the Bible who thought the same thing, who thought, I can handle it. And you know what about this dude? He's more famous than you will ever be. This guy is richer than you will ever be. This dude was a king. This dude was called a man after God's own heart. And this dude said, I can handle it. And he fell right into an affair. Let's look at 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It says, in the spring of the year, the time when the kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and they besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. And there's a part of that scripture I want you guys to focus on, okay? It says, and the time when the kings went out to battle. David was a king, and the kings went out to battle, but where did David remain? Home. 
He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Husbands, are you where you're supposed to be? Because a lot of times we think where we're supposed to be, but we are not in the right place. Listen, you might not be at the place where you're in your ex-girlfriend's driveway, but maybe you're just in the garage all night and you're not spending time with your wife. Maybe where you're at is you're at work all the time, so you're not able to build that relationship up with your wife. Maybe you're watching Netflix and not chilling because you're not where you're supposed to be. See, what happens is when we're not where we're supposed to be, we end up creating a distance, a division between where God calls us to be because be is a destination. Now, direction determines your destination, not intention. Your direction determines your destination. So I'd have to ask you right now, what is your direction in your marriage? Because if you're not walking in a way of having a healthy marriage, listen, if you don't leave here applying what Pastor Shannon has shared, what Pastor Mike and Julie have shared, what Pastor Dave and Ness are going to share, if you just leave with good intentions, well, matter of fact, there's a couple of quotes about good intentions. This is what T.S. Eliot says. He said, most of the evil in this world is done by people with good intentions. And Samuel Johnson said, Hell is paved with good intentions. So you can't assume that you're going to stumble into a good marriage if your direction isn't aimed at a good marriage. Is anybody, like, still on their um, New Year's resolutions? For real? (laughs) Does anybody remember their New Year's resolutions? (laughs) All right. Well, it's February. And most resolutions has something to do with getting healthy, losing weight, eating better. Was anybody there? You guys. Well, mine was. And so <laughs> if, my, if that's my direction, where am I going? I need to be at the gym. I need to make healthier food choices. I need to think better. I need to talk better. You know, I'm not gossiping. I'm, I'm speaking life. I'm doing all that kind of stuff. It's not towards Dairy Queen. Joe was the Dairy Queen, by the way. Just so. I love Dairy Queen. Listen, my love language is a large blizzard. <laughs> that's my love language right there. But that should be my direction, not those things, not gossiping or speaking down to my spouse or sitting on the couch because your direction determines your destination, not your intentions. So David was supposed to be at war. That was his intention. But where was his direction? It was Jerusalem. And that direction, or that destination, sent him somewhere that no one saw coming. So in verse 2 it says, It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch. Sounds about right for us guys. Rose from the couch. Uh, He was walking on the roof of the king's house, and he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And that woman was very beautiful. So, Joe and I have two little kids. We have Kara. We adopted her. She's 21. I don't know why I look. I don't have a picture. Um, But I have a four-year-old and I have a two-year-old. So, when we had Gwen, I read this book. It was about sleep training. If you don't do that, you're missing out. But I sleep trained her. And so, we had this agreement between the two of us. I mean, I'm sleep training. I'm nursing anyways. There's no point of him getting up. So, I'm just like, you stay in bed. You got to go to work in the morning. It's whatever. But then I had Vivi, and Gwen was almost three, and so the deal was, you get up with Gwen, and I'll get up with Vivi. I'm sleep training her, and I have to nurse her, so just, and that's a pretty good deal. Gwen sleeps all night. a great deal, because (laughs) most of the time, Gwen will just come to me anyways, and I just send her back to bed. (laughs) Um, So that, that was our arrangement. So one night, 
I hear Vivi like stirring. She's not even crying. She probably rolled over. I hear everything, so it's really annoying. But I hear her stirring, but then I hear Joe get up. And I thought, surely he's not messing up my system. He's got to be going to the bathroom or something. And so he gets out of bed. But then I hear her door open. And I was like, what is he doing? I was being a caring father. Yeah. So I get up on the bed and I'm like in a rage, but I have to be really quiet about it. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's holding Vivi and he looks at her and he looks at me and he was like, I don't know. I was like, what are you, give me my baby. And I took her, he was sleepwalking. I was so upset and mad and quiet all at the same time because I didn't want to that's but some of that unforgiveness you were talking about last <laughs> night. We got to walk through that. But look at what the Bible says. It says late one afternoon. We do stupid things when we're tired. This is what the bot your brain does when it's tired. It says tired neurons in an awake brain are responsible for attention lapses, poor judgment, mistake proneness, and irritability. I am like all of those too. <laughs> like, like no sleep, irritable. No sleep makes poor choices. No sleep, poor, jo you know, like, it's like, this is, this really isn't the definition for not giving sleep. It's just the definition of Joe Angelo. Like, mm. that's what that is. I mean, but also, like the great theologians, Pastor Dave and Vanessa say, don't over-spiritualize stupid. When you're tired, you need to be aware and not make stupid, poor decisions. Put your computer away. Be home with your family. Don't be stupid. I mean, think about it. When you were a kid, when you were a teenager, when were you going out to parties? Was it during the day or was it at night? Right. When you were sneaking out of the house, when you were trying to go get with your girlfriend and your mom didn't want you sneaking out. I remember one night, I was waiting for my mom to fall asleep and I had some friends that were driving up and down my road from about 11 uh, p.m. to about 2 a.m. waiting for me to be able to sneak out and my mom is downstairs, I remember, on my dad's blue chair, reading her Bible. I was like, Mom, you go to bed at 9 o'clock every night. What are you doing up? She knew. Oh, she knew I was trying to sneak out. Because at night, the, listen, what happens in the dark? Things don't come alive in the dark. There's death in the dark, okay? And at night, this is what happened to David, is it was at night, it was in the evening when he gave in to temptation. This is what it says in, uh, in 2B. It says, he saw, he saw from the roof a woman bathing. Now, right now, that's really weird. Like, none of us are going to be, like, taking a walk today. None of us are going to be walking on a roof anyways. That's weird, too. Um, but we're not going to see a woman bathing. But here's the thing. Any of us can pull out our cell phones right now and find a woman any way we want to see her. Any of us right now can open up our computer. Any of us right now can pull out our iPad. Any of us right now can do it any way that we want to see whatever we desire. It's so much easier now than it even was back then to give in to temptation, to give in to really what David was looking at was pornography. And according to research, approximately 64% or two-thirds of U.S. men admit to viewing porn monthly. And catch this, all right, Christian men? With that number of Christian men nearly equaling the national average. See, I hope you guys understand that porn is in the church. Last, uh, it was a couple weeks ago, we went out with a friend, and he said that in their subdivision, one of the boys who's 12 
um, got caught looking at porn, and his, his son hangs out with this boy, and he was asking me, he's like, man, 12? I said, you want to know what the average is now? Your kids will start looking at porn at nine. Nine years old. Not on purpose. Please, like, your kids aren't a bunch of little perverts. Like, but has anyone here ever pulled out your computer and a pop-up come up? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Your kids are now being, uh, seeing these things at such a young age than you and I ever saw them at. You know, like when you and I were growing up, there had to be a magazine that we had to find in, in our uh, uncle's closet or dad's, you know, somewhere. Like, but now, if your kid has this, listen, I'm telling you, this is from a parenting point of view, this should not be in your kid's bedroom. If you're doing that, you're setting them up for failure. And sir, you already know it because you're failing too. If you're allowing any kind of cell phone, any kind of computer, any kind of iPad in your bedroom with no one looking, oh, you're just asking to be addicted to pornography. Because what happens when your wife goes on vacation or is gone for a couple days and you're missing out? And you know what, and I heard a pastor say this, and just to really like, you know, just drive it home. Um, pornography is you, sir. When you're masturbating, you're having sex with yourself. When I say it like that, that sounds very disgusting, doesn't it? Like you're like, that is gross. But that's what pornography does. It leads to you to being able to give in to yourself, your urges, and taking care of your business when God set it up that you and your wife should be connected. See, not even just like, I'm not saying our church, the local church, the global church in general, we have a hard time, just like Shannon said last night, talking about sex in church. We talk about don't have sex before marriage, but we don't tell our children like, hey, you need to also guard yourself against pornography. We don't do that. So they're like, okay, I won't have sex with a girl, but I'll go look at porn. And now all of a sudden, this just comes into marriage, and it becomes something that we think is just fine to have, and we don't think that it's actually a problem. But it is actually an addiction. And when you look at it, it's such a hard addiction to break. They put it up there with heroin. The, the chemicals that it releases in your brain, uh, the dopamine that it releases is so enjoying because, I mean, I know you've been there where it's like, God, I don't want to look at porn anymore, but you, get, you, you feel so disgusting afterwards, but, but it's that dopamine rush at the very beginning. I'm telling you, sir, that is called an addiction. You have to talk to somebody about that. You already know who I'm talking to in here. You've been trying to get rid of it. You've been trying to deal with it yourself for so long, and you can't. Listen, you don't want to do what David did and give in to pornography. Verse 3 says, And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is that not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? You see, David knew exactly who she was. And he knew what he was going to do. And he knew that if he was going to entertain this idea, that there was going to be consequences. And so for you and me, you know what your struggle is. It might not be this, but you know what it is. You know what you'll do, and you know that if you entertain it, that there will be consequences. So let's look at this uh, encounter with this man that David is with. He must have had, he, David must have allowed him to speak into his life. You can't just go to a king and just say whatever you want. He must have been accountability in his life in order for him to say, whoa, wait a minute. Like, she's married. Like, I know, who, you know who that is. She, she knows, but he didn't listen to her. Who are you allowing to speak into your life and air your laundry out to you, not to everybody? Or do you even have boundaries within you, between you and your wife? You know? He chose to ignore that accountability and those boundaries because ultimately, if you don't work them, if you don't work the accountability, anybody can have boundaries, but if you don't work them, 
they are not going to work. And boundaries prove that you have a greater vision for you and your family and for your life. And when you think about boundaries, a lot of times we, we don't like using that word, but what if there weren't boundaries on the road today? What if, there weren't, what if there wasn't a line dividing when you were heading back towards Chesterton or you're heading towards Michigan, wherever you're going, and there wasn't a line to keep cars from crossing over? Could you imagine being in a vehicle heading the opposite direction and a semi just merges over because there's no boundary? What would happen? You are going to lose every day to a semi. Daryl knows. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's just going to happen. Boundaries are in our marriage to protect our marriage, not to say like, oh, my wife runs me. Like, you know, I used to hate, like when you'd always used to hear from like older guys like that were like actually submissive to their wives and would actually listen to them. A guy'd be like, oh, you know, I'd be like, bro, your, your marriage sucks, man. Like, don't look at me because I actually have boundaries and I'm protecting this and I'm not running around like an idiot. Like, this is for what, I, listen, the vision for our marriage is this. The vision, the reason that we set up boundaries, the reason that we set up and we take time and we invest in our lives is because we see what God has for our children because I don't want my kids to grow up trying to pursue old Joe. I want them to try to pursue this Joe. I want them to see a guy like this and say, I'm going to find a daddy like that, a daddy like that, (laughs) a husband like that, like my dad. (laughs) I mean. I mean, it's a healthy marriage, you know. So after that conversation that Joe and I had of, you know, he, he told me, he, you know, I need to prove to myself that I could handle it. I mean, <laughs> we decided, okay, obviously we decided to work on it because we're married. But that conversation after that point was like, I need, I need access. I need access to your phone. I need your passwords. I need to know where you're going. I need to know if you're at school, if you're at work, if you're at home. And he was open to it. And now, for some of you, that might sound crazy, you know, to, oh, I'm not doing that. They don't need to know. And it would be crazy if I was still doing it, and I, but I don't. It was part of a healing process and a building of trust in our relationship. And you might be there. There might have been broken trust in your marriage, and you just need to start here so your spouse, if there was infidelity, whatever happened, you need to build that trust back up between the two of you. But before I could even start that process, between me and the Lord, I had to forgive him of all, the, all of it. I mean, there was so much stuff. It wasn't just that. I had to forgive him because unless I started that forgiveness process, there, there was no restoration. You have to understand that those are two separate things. Forgiveness was between me and my heart and the Lord before he even said I was sorry. That was between us. And then the restoration could start. Maybe the restoration in your life isn't happening because you haven't forgiven them first. You know, and, and Chris even said, you know, like that might sound crazy about the password thing, but it's even like Shannon said last night, is uh, that was one of his points. And Chrissy and I know each other's passwords, and there's times that I'm trying to get, I don't even know what it was recently. I was like, what's your password for this? And her passwords are always the same, but I just don't always spell that. them wrong. Don't you know, tell like, people that. That's, that's, I just don't know how to spell properly. I don't know how to spell. One of our passwords is our daughter's name. I'm like, how do I spell Gwenevie fully? You know, she's like, come on. Don't write that down. Don't put that in your notes. Um, there's numbers after it, like one and exclamation point. Oh, dang it. Like, <laughs> change all passwords. <laughs> our Facebook's going to get hacked later. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so 
husbands, just like what Chrissy was saying about when it comes to forgiveness, this is what happens. She can work on forgiving you, okay? But if you want that restoration to come, you have to admit what you've done wrong. You have to humble yourself. And what's, again, this goes back to the whole pride thing, is that so many times we think, like, I can handle it. Like, I just, it won't happen again. I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to let this happen again. Okay, cool. You don't let it happen again, but you still haven't said sorry for happening in the first place. Like, we have to humble ourselves and say, baby, like, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said that to you. Uh, what was it? It was a couple days ago that I said something to you. Was it you? It was either you or Gwen. Was so, it your other wife? Listen, I don't I'm understand. always apologizing. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Shannon's from Arkansas. I was trying to be okay. like they are down in Arkansas, right? <laughs> marry your sister. You don't want to marry my sister. Good Lord. Um. <laughs> no, but I, so I got a lot of women in my life. Like, I got... Three daughters and a wife. There's so much estrogen in my house, it's crazy. You know, sometimes I accidentally put a bra on. I'm like, oh no, like. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm a man. I think you got Julie up here sounding more masculine than me. <laughs> but last week I did something and, uh, and I did something to Gwen. Oh, that was it. I yelled at her. So this is what it was. Uh, you got Gw me confused with Gwen. He has called me Prudence before, which was our dog. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Listen, I, that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> she, was a, she was a girl dog. I get it. Okay. Yeah, she, exactly. She was a girl dog. Um, but last week, I was trying to put up, I was trying to find uh, the incredible, no, not Monsters, Inc., because it's Kara's favorite movie. I was trying to find Monsters, Inc. for free, streaming online, you know. Um, Illegally? So to, what? Illegally? No, I didn't say I was downloading it. I said I was streaming it. There's a complete difference, people. <laughs> Ask Pastor Scott. He'll tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find where to stream it illegally, um, and I, 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 I'm, anyways, I'm spending time doing it, doing it, doing it, and then Gwen comes over, she's in front of me, she's wrestling with Vivi, and she hits my phone out of my hand, and it hits Vivi in the head, and right away, I'm like, Gwen, and I spanked her, I'm like, don't do that, be rough, you know, and like, usually when we spank our kids, we, it's a big, like, process, it's like, okay, Gwen does something, or Vivi does something, or Kara does something. <laughs> but we'll take Gwen to the side and be like, listen, you're getting a spanking. Do you know why? She's like, yeah, because I hit Vivi. And why do we not hit Vivi? Because it's me. You know, we just do a talk. Okay, I'm going to give you two spankings. It's going to be one. I'm like, it's going to be three if you keep saying one. You know, and so pull her pants down, spank her, pull them up. She's crying. I hug her. I love you. Do you know why daddy did that? Because we're, obe uh, you know, we're obeying God, you know, all the, this big thing. Okay. So we make it a big deal because I just don't want my kids to see me as like the dude that just hits everyone. But I reacted. I just like, I just went for it. Like she did that. I was like, and I was already fed up because I couldn't find stupid monsters into stream for free. I had to pay $2.99 for it instead on Amazon. So, <laughs> so anyways, I just reacted and I spanked her. I was like, dang it. I suck. You know? And, um, so anyways, that night, I think you and uh, uh, Kara were at Vital, and so it was just me and the other two at home, and, you know, Vivi was down and stuff, and I was um, just spending time with God, and he just, like, convicted me. He's like, you spanked Gwen out of anger instead of out of, like, actually disciplining her and teaching her. And so I went to her bedroom. She was asleep. <laughs> and I went next to her bed and said, hey, are you asleep? <laughs> and she... She, like, opened up her eyes, and she, I knew she was asleep. There was drool there, you know? I'm like, I'm like, hey, 
you know, earlier when Daddy spanked you? She's like, uh-huh. I said, Daddy shouldn't have done that. I said, I should have talked to you. I said, I reacted. You know I love you. I said, do you forgive me? She said, yeah. I said, thank you. I kissed her. She might not even remember that. She was asleep. But, um, but I did that because I'm, I can humble myself, whether it's with a four-year-old or whether it's with a 33-year-old. It doesn't matter the age. It matters my heart. And so I have to go and I have to apologize to those that I've offended, those that I've hurt, those that I have done wrong. And so I'm telling you, husbands, your wife, just like Shan was saying last night, she wants to forgive you. She wants that restoration. But for that restoration to happen, you have to admit, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't keep doing this. I'm not going to bring the alcohol in the house anymore. I'm not going to be working all the time in the garage. I'm going to spend more time with you. Whatever that is, and going to her and actually talking with her and making it right. Because when you start doing that, when you start making it right and having that restoration and building up that relationship, just like Pastor Mike and Julie were talking about earlier, remembering when you fell in love with each other. If you get back to that place and remember, why did we get together in the first place? Now, please understand, your why is going to change. The, my why for first getting with her is because she had a smoking hot body. Like, that was my why. I'm like, I, that's why I wanted to get with you when we were in high school. You made that face like... I don't know, it sounded like, not anymore. <laughs> no, listen, it's what Pastor Mike said last night. Before I was thinking between the thighs, now I'm thinking between the ears, okay? Like, babe. That's just what I thought. That's why the face. I think you are the most beautiful. (laughs) But listen, you have to have a why in your marriage. Because if you don't have a why, you'll let it die. If you don't have a why in your marriage, you'll let other things come into play. You'll let other things affect it. You'll let other things come in and tear it down. You have to have that why. No matter the hurt, no matter the frustration, no matter the, biz, uh, uh, the bitterness, I'm going to fight through it because my why is greater than I. That's what we have to get to. And David's temptation, and listen, it followed an old, hey, Pastor Scott, welcome. Good to see you. We started a couple hours ago, but as you can make it. We know you guys are just living a healthy married life, huh, Danielle? There it is. <laughs> and now to get serious. And we digress. Um, <laughs> David's temptation followed an age-old pattern. Okay, ready for this? He saw, he desired, and he took. In verse 4, it says, So David sent messengers, and he took her, and they took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. And just like Joe said, David, he just took what he wanted. But we say the same thing. We say, we want it, I deserve it, or I can handle it. And that's exactly when pride and arrogance get a foothold, and adultery is right on the other side of it. Yep. So we need, um, we need to look at David and say, you know, if, if he has this power and this money and all of these things, I mean, you even said he's a man after God's own heart. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. And he still took what he thought he deserved, yep. and he took what he thought he could handle. Yep. And see, you think, literally, we'll think this, right, that I haven't taken. Like, I haven't had an affair. I haven't cheated. I haven't done any of that. But if you are a follower of Christ here, and if you're not, hopefully by the end of this conference, you see like, wow, God is definitely going to make my marriage better. I need to pursue him. But Jesus actually says this in Matthew. He says that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed 
adultery. That is so weighty, isn't it? If you just look at a woman, you don't have to touch, you don't have to call, you don't have to text, you don't have to slide into her DM, like, you don't have to do any of that. If you just look. And so many times we think that our relationship is strong, but we're not guarding our eyes. We're just letting them scan whatever we want instead of putting them in check the way that Jesus shares really that we should. And the thing is, is that you really need to ask yourself, have I looked? Have I looked at Chrissy? Have I looked at Joe? Because here's the thing. It's so easy to look at somebody on the stage, isn't it? It's easy to look at Pastor Shannon and all the women last night going home, and she's like, you need, to, you need to quote scriptures to me like Shannon was quoting scriptures. I was texting Sam. I was like, dude, Pastor Shannon knows the Bible. He wasn't even going to his notes. Did you notice that? He was up here, and he was quoting 2 Peter, and he was quoting 2 Corinthians. Like, he was just wham, 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 you know? Listen, ladies, you might not be looking at a man lustfully. Like, look at that body. You know what I mean? Like, cause, like as a guy, I'm like, Ugh. like I don't want to look at myself. Like, that's gross. But you look at someone's heart, and that is lust. When you're desiring what Pastor Shannon has or Pastor Dave, and you're like, why, can't my, why isn't my husband like that? Why isn't my husband like that? Why can't he get up there and do a transition like that? Why can't he sing worship like that? Why can't he pray with me like that? You know what that is? You're lusting after that man. You need to look at your heart and say, listen, I'm not gonna look at him I'm what I want. I'm going to look at my man and see the potential that is in his heart. I'm going to see the man that God sees him to be. Because here's the thing. We are all, all of us that are born again Christians, we are, we are, it's said that we are adopted into his family. Therefore, if our daddy is a king, you know what that makes us? A bunch of princes. Okay, so you're looking at your husband, that's a prince, that's a king. There's so much more in there than he can even see, but you gotta call that out of him, wife. You gotta say, there's more to you. I see that you're a prayer warrior. I see that you're a theologian like Pastor Dave and Vanessa. I see that you're someone who wants to lead our family into worship. I see it, and you start speaking life instead of lusting after another wife's man. Verse 5 says, and the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am pregnant. You got me knocked up. <laughs> That's what she's saying. You might not be in a physical affair. It might not be a physical baby. You might have not, not gotten another physical woman pregnant. But in James 1.15, it says, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Yeah. So what happens here is, so now David, so just to fast forward the story for you. Um, so obviously Bathsheba is married to Uriah. And so David sends for Uriah. Hey, go get him. We got to get him in. Uriah comes in. He's like, David, listen. Or David says to Uriah, bro, hey, you've been killing it out on the battlefield, dude. Been slaying it. So this is what I want you to do, all right? I want you to just take the night off. You go home, spend time with your wife, just enjoy yourself. So Uriah takes off, and he does that. He goes home, but he doesn't sleep with his wife. And David's like, dude, like, what the frick? 
And so he calls him again, like, like Uriah. Man, like last night I was trying to set you up with your wife because you're doing so well. So, hey, listen, I want to celebrate you. We're going to have a party. Here's a couple of drinks. David gets the dude drunk trying to send him home because when you're drunk, I've never heard somebody say, man, how did you fix your marriage? Man, I just got drunk, made great decisions. It don't happen. So gets him drunk, still doesn't make the decision to sleep with his wife. And David's like, dude, this guy has more integrity in his pinky than I do my whole body. What do I have to do to get him to sleep with his wife so it doesn't look like I got this chick knocked up? He said, I guess there's nothing I can do because this guy isn't going to flinch. So he calls his general and said, hey, that's what I want you to do. I want you to take Uriah. I want you to put him on the front lines. And as soon as the opposing army is closing in on us, I want you to have everyone else back off and just leave Uriah there to die. David, a man after God's own heart, has the blood of an innocent man in his hands. Listen, when it comes to an affair, when it comes to adultery, when it comes to any kind of lust that's taking over, something is going to die. It's either going to be your relationship with your spouse, it's gonna be a relationship with your children, it's going to be a relationship with a friend. It's going to be a relationship with a boss. It's going to be a relationship with your, with your coworkers, with, with, your, with your job, with your calling. Something is going to give. There, listen, I want you, men, I want you to know this because, like, I just, divorce is so high. You know what I mean? Like, we have to talk about this. That something is going to die because of your selfishness. That's what it comes down to. Pastor Dave Manessa preached this past week, is that the reason that affairs happen is because you care more about yourself than your wife. But we tell this to people all the time. It's like, listen, it might look so good on the other side. The grass might look greener on the side, but you know why it's greener on the other side? Because some dude is watering it on the other side. Like, stop being lazy and start watering your grass. If you do the seven or ten things that Pastor Shannon said last night, everyone's going to be looking to you for marriage help. That's all you got to do. You just have to apply, but instead you're willing to let it die. And that is not what God's called us to do. He did not say, Adam, I'm going to make you, now be lazy. He said, Adam, I made you, now work. Listen, you need to work the ground of your marriage. It's a garden. It's where stuff is supposed to grow, not supposed to die. But we end up working harder at work, or we work harder on our fantasy football, or we work harder in all these other places instead of in the home. But we're called to work hard in the home. For me, I fear the Lord so much. Like, I understand that and what it means and we're going to talk about that in our next message. But I know that every decision that I make not only affects me, but it affects him. It affects our children. It affects you guys as a church. It affects our calling. And I would rather die with integrity like Uriah than live with the sin of David yes. any day of the week. Yes. So what do we learn from David? What do we learn from this king who's more famous, more money? I mean, even called a man after God's own heart, what do we learn? We need people in our lives for accountability. They're going to speak into us, not to condemn us, but to challenge us. Not everybody, but one or two people. And one of them should be your spouse. You should allow your spouse to speak into your life. 
You need to take ownership of where you are and what you're doing. And you need to have a why behind your marriage. Because if you don't have that why, I'm telling you, your marriage is gonna die. Yep. And that's, again, like why we started doing the married life is that we started pulling it, uh, pouring into our marriages and we're like, man, we can pour into others with what we've learned. But we just literally thought if, if we can grow our marriage, then our family's gonna get stronger and where our girls go, that community is gonna be stronger. And we're like, if we do that for other marriages, then their families are gonna get stronger and other communities are gonna get stronger. And that is our why. Like, our why, me and Indio were just talking about this. Like, it comes down to legacy for us. Like, what, your marriage is going to be at its best when you t stop looking at yourself and start looking at your heritage. When you stop looking in the mirror and start looking at your kids and say, I will do whatever so they can have a successful marriage, so they can see what a healthy relationship looks like, so they can see what fearing the Lord looks like. Man, when Pastor Shannon was saying last night, like, how many men here, like, uh, you know, the, that your kids can say, like, yeah, my dad has a relationship with the Lord. I'm like, every morning, you can, if we could FaceTime my daughter Gwen right now. She comes out every morning between 6 and 6.30 and sees me sitting on the chair reading my Bible. And you know what she says? Can we play Barbies? And I say, when I'm done spending time with the Lord, because God is my first priority. And I tell her this. I said, because Gwen, I can't love you if I don't know how God loves me. If I don't spend time with him, there's no way that our time that we spend together is gonna be valuable at all because I'm just gonna be sitting there thinking about the next thing I have to do. But when I see the grace, when I see the mercy, when I see the love that Jesus poured out on me, that same love gets on me and I wanna pour it out on you. And my goal is that as it gets on you, it pours out on others as you get older. That is what my why is, it's greater than me. Listen, I'll sacrifice sleep all day. Pastor Shannon said last night, like, uh, or maybe it was Pastor Mike. Somebody said it. It was good. Stop being lazy. Listen, I know we got a lot of mill workers here, and your guys' hours are crazy. I think we should all, like, rebel and boycott the mill and the hours that they have you guys working because you know what's more important? Your marriage. But you know what? And no offense to your bosses. Your bosses are just looking at this. They're not looking at this, you know? Like, praise God, I am blessed that I get to work under Pastor Dave and Vanessa where they care about our marriage. And so I get it. It's hard. Your career, your calling, your life is hard. The stuff you have to do with work. Billy, him and I were texting uh, two weeks ago when it was freezing weather out. He said he got an email that everybody that worked inside at the railroad could just, hey, you know what? It's too cold. Don't come into work today. He said, but all of us that have to actually work on the lines, we also had to go to work. You know what that shows? That they don't value you. But what can happen is when you're spending so much time in that culture of not feeling valued, you can take that same culture into your home and into your relationship with Jesus. And that you're not finding that value between you and Christ. You're not finding that value between you and your wife. You have to have a stronger why that's saying, listen, I'm going to give up 30 minutes of sleep and I'm going to spend time with Jesus because if I don't spend time with Jesus, I'm not going to learn how to love my spouse. If I'm not spending time with Jesus, I'm not going to know how to love my family more. Your why has to be greater than you. That's what I want us to do as, as we're closing. I want you to go ahead, grab your spouse's hand. Because when we all got married, we all said a vow whether you're at the courtroom or whether you had a huge wedding, right? We all said a vow. But I just want you to imagine this. Imagine if every single couple that has gotten married, that is getting married, had to have a why over a vow. 
Because do you remember your vow? Sometimes vows are so long, right? You know, I learned this from Jennifer when we were talking about vision statements for the married life. She's like, you gotta make it so, so condensed that, it, that people, that it'll stick to their heart, that they'll get it. Vows aren't sticky, are they? I don't remember my vows. Do you? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's embarrassing. But you know what I remember? I remember my why. If your why in your marriage could be so great, we've all said a vow, but why we say the vow will keep the vow. Why we say the vow will keep the vow. And so I just want you guys right now, as we're closing, will you play a little uh, instrumental, beautiful music behind me like Taylor's on the keys? Um, I want you guys just to take a minute, two minutes, whatever. And I want you to just think, why am I gonna fight for this marriage? That was the fourth session from the Married Life Conference. If you missed the first three sessions, you can go back on the podcast and listen to those at any time. And I wanna encourage you guys to go onto Instagram and follow us at marriedlife.us because on there we give sneak peeks of everything that we talked about at the conference, little video highlights, and inspirational quotes to help you and your spouse have a stronger marriage. Again, thanks for joining us right here on The Married Life.